What's going on, guys? Happy Monday. How are you? So Sean and I started the podcast today on a little bit more of a somber note. Had to talk about the Ohio State scandal. Uh, Got a little bit deep on you guys with that one. But then we moved on to the Yankees. A little bit lighter talk than last time. A little bit happier. And then we went around baseball. Talked a little bit about every single division. What trades we liked. What what we think is going to happen. Moved on to some football. Huge signing today by the Giants. Obviously, Odell Beckham got signed to a massive deal. Talked about Darnold, whether or not he should start for the Jets. And then we kind of went around the league and talked about other things that we noticed. And then we capped it off with some college football. Sean went on uh, an in-depth through every single um, league that's important. And then we gave out our predictions for what's going to happen at the end of the year. So as always, check out the website, sorrysports.com. We're definitely going to be a little bit more active on it soon, um, throwing up some more articles and making some changes to it. Follow us on Twitter at sorrysports, Instagram, sorry underscore sports, and uh, enjoy the pod. All right, we are back. This podcast is brought to you by Odell Beckham. <laughs> Got paid, and he threw the stacks at us. So, you know, we'll be sending that invoice over soon. But um, what's going on, Sean? How are you, dude? It's been too long. I know it has man, been too long. Well, you get a good trip in. You ready? Absolutely, absolutely. We're I'm ready to road it now, man. We're ready to go. Yeah, it's football season now, so it's time to time to get things started. Uh, there's no more time off. Now this is a fun time of the year with with football. You know, preseasons wrapping up regular seasons getting ready to go baseball's in full swing you know with a pennant chase getting ready in september so college football starting up soon a lot going on man oh yeah man this is this is one of the better times of the year um not that there's any bad time when it comes to sports but you know this this is a lot a lot of stuff going on um so i guess we're going to start the pod off on a little more serious chat i feel like we kind of have to um, it sucks to talk about it, but sometimes you just have to, you know, we're, we're lucky that we can just sit here and bullshit about sports all day, but you know, this is the sports thing. So, uh, why don't we, why don't we go after it in the state of college football? Yeah, you said it pretty well, man. I was certainly, you know, geeked up for this podcast, but we have to give this story. It's, it's due. I know it's a week old and you guys have probably heard every take from everybody, but not us. So we're ready to, we're ready to take it on. And, um, we're of course talking about the Urban Meyer story. Yeah, at why don't Ohio you give a little State. background? And you know, we spoke to it a couple podcasts ago when the story broke. Um, Urban Meyer was being asked to take a leave of absence from Ohio State University as a as the head coach uh, while they did an investigation about his head assistant Zach Smith's uh, domestic violence past. And uh, which, as more details were review revealed, sick. it just got worse sick. and worse and worse. Absolutely sick. And and I was telling Tom, you know, I. There's there's not a lot of stories that that really get to me because I, I I believe that you know you're not surprised these guys as we spoke to it you know Urban Meyer's not a good guy and I don't have to know him everybody in college football has has said he's not a great guy he's there to win college football games and he's very damn good at that but you know the the domestic abuse and covering it up and keeping that down i mean just you know we the, the pictures of, of course this is courtney smith the ex-wife of zach smith um who has been urban's lead assistant since his days back in florida um the story just got worse the investigation was concluded and uh they gave him three games three motherfucking games yeah, and, and this guy disgusting. is you know, covering up something that is 
one of the worst and most pathetic acts an individual can do. Uh, I mean, we we know the Jerry Sandusky story. We know the Larry Nasser story. Um, you know, beating your pregnant wife and and just you know to a pulp and to the point where she's beaten and battered and bruised and just every the Not worst thing. Not to mention the all the other heinous acts that of he course. committed. Yeah, and I mean the, the psychological abuse that that puts. I mean it, it's disgusting. There's really nothing more to say. I wish there were worse words in the English dictionary to, to use, but <laughs> yeah. but um. You know, this story got to me, and, and, and of course his acts and, and Urban Meyer covering it up so he could keep one of his favorite assistant coaches. Of, co- of course, Ohio State players had known about it. Uh, there was the actual arrest that took place back in 2009 when they were both uh, at the University of Florida. Uh, this is kind of when this whole thing reared its ugly head. He was arrested on a charge of beating, of, uh, of aggravated assault against a pregnant woman. That pregnant woman was his wife. So let's get into... Let's get into this. Um, it was concluded through a 23-page report that he did not take the necessary steps to have him removed, have him detained, have him off the coaching staff of the universe, of Ohio State University. Um, didn't get to the athletic director in time. When they got to the athletic director, didn't get to the uh, president of the university. Um, just really shady, you know. It reeked of, oh, this isn't important. This is cutting into practice time. This is cutting into recruiting time. And when they gave him three games, it was very reminiscent of the Ray Rice two-game suspension back in 2014 in the NFL when the next year Tom Brady got four games for deflating footballs. Um, three, two, uh, four years ago, Todd Gurley, now uh, uh, running back of, this, of the uh, Los Angeles Rams, back when he was at the University of Georgia, got four games for selling uh, an autograph. Um, three players currently this year on August 6th at the University of North Carolina got suspended four games by the NCAA for selling autographed shoes. Um, Urban Meyer covering up this disgusting act got three games. Um, the NCAA intervened when Penn State made its decisions against Larry Nasser and, or uh, I'm sorry, um, Jerry Sandusky and and uh, Joe, Paterno. Joe Paterno. They need to step in here. Three games is absolutely unacceptable. It's, I think it's a year. horrible. It, he and watching that press conference, he should have been fucking fired. He had no contrition. Didn't even bring up her name. It, he, you could see he. It didn't even. It didn't even look to him like it was worth his time having to talk about. He didn't want to be there. He never mentioned her by name. When they asked, "Are you sorry for the for Courtney Smith?" he said, "I'm sorry. We're all in this situation." And he backtracks two days later by writing some bullshit forced tweet, you know, sending his condolences and his you know sympathies to Courtney. Smith. Fucking bullshit. You don't care. We know you don't care. You didn't want to be there. And this is on the heels of Big Ten Media Day when he was asked about it initially, and he had a horrible press conference. He had a chance to redeem himself. Say, you know what? I accept full penalty. This is disgusting. I feel horrible for Courtney Smith. I want to apologize for her for not getting you know her due and having this change earlier. I apologize to every woman who's been a victim of this terrible act by any male. You know that's what he could have used his platform for. As basically, and you've said it perfectly well, the college football coach at one of these big programs or a college basketball coach at one of these big programs. You're the CEO of the motherfucking school. You're CEO of the program. You know what's going on. You know what to do. You have to have some kind of moral compass. This is fucking disgusting. Not, not even to say 
they were also friends. That, of, yeah. Of, like, very close, the, the Smiths and the Myers. I'm telling you right now, if I knew anybody in my life that did something like that, uh, no, <laughs> I mean like, no, you're not my fucking friend. You're not, you're nobody. I think you are. And that's, that's the, like I said, one of the worst things you can do as a human being. And when I saw that, I, I believed going in based off of the findings from the report, he should have been suspended. I was hoping for six games or so, because that's enough to cut into a college football season. That's going to affect possibly the landscape of the team. And I'm sorry for the kids. I really am. But there's no other way to punish this. If your coach is doing shady shit, your coach is is lying to save his job and yours and recruiting and winning games is the most important thing to him. Sorry, everybody's got to pay. I felt the same way about Penn State. Everybody tried to make that a a sad story for all the poor players. And I get that they had nothing to do with it. But you know what? You got to penalize the school and you got to punish them for being a part of something that disgusting. So, he, I was hoping six games, cut into the Big Ten school, miss some really important games, remove him from the program. He's not allowed to coach. He's not allowed to coordinate. He's not allowed to do anything. Of course, they gave him three games, which really amounts to one. Let me, because let me two, read you his the schedule. Go. Oregon State, Rutgers, and 16th ranked TCU. Right. Ohio State's going to probably win by 30 points on two of those games, and they're going to beat TCU as well. Yeah, you'd, you don't you'd even think need so. Him. It's like right. a vacation for him, yeah. which is and, ter- terrible. And the, he's really only suspended one game because the other two games he's allowed to run the practices prior to the start of the games, week, week leading up. So it's not really a suspension. He's just not allowed to be on the sideline. You're probably doing him a favor at that point because he has had health issues. He has had medical conditions. So he's probably like, oh, shit, I get a couple-week rest. My team's going to cakewalk through here, and then I'm going to set up and win and get ready for a national championship run. It's going to be awful. Imagine they win the national championship. It's I can. And you know what? Everybody is going to forget about it because we're going to talk college football in a good way towards the end of the episode. And the pageantry of it, the allure of it, I know it's not your biggest thing, and I've gotten more into it you know, in the last 10 years. Um but it, it's it's loved, universally loved. And it I want to get in real quick. I mean, he should have been fired because watching that press conference, it was he didn't care. That was that was on the grounds for firing because just your demeanor. How can you, if you're the president of the university, how can you let you know, you're you're not it's not about recruiting too. You're you want, you know, parents to send their daughters to your school. Your football coach, who's the most public eye that is there, is basically standing on the podium and saying, I'm sorry that I have to be suspended for three games because my assistant coach beat the living shit out of his wife. It reminds me a lot of Rick Pitino, but I mean, you know, Rick Pitino basically saying, like, I'm really sorry for all this, but I had not, you know, I'm sorry for not having anything to do with this. But, you know, Rick Pitino... I don't want to say having prostitutes in a dorm room is a, it's, it's, not by any means a good thing, but it's not anywhere near this. This is as bad as, I mean, this is, this is as bad as Sandusky. Yeah, it is in a different way. Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it's because of the psychological and physical abuse that's being, you know, put on the victim. Yeah. And you know, you don't want anybody, you know, leading any, any young person with those kind of morals, especially when they know it, you know, the guy was arrested in 2009. It's not like this was, it's not like nobody knew about this. Yeah. They all knew about it. The guy was having, um, relationships with females inside the facility. He was having sex toys sent to the facility. Like it, it goes a lot deeper than just, you know, the, what you read in the police report. And, you know, 
honestly, it's like if you do the right thing, the right thing's going to happen to you. And in the end, like even Joe Paterno, you look at these people that ended up not being good people. Like Joe Paterno isn't like America's grandpa anymore. Like people don't look at him the same way no. after this. And the same thing will come to Urban Meyer. Well, I think people already know that Urban Meyer is pretty shady. Paul Feinbaum, who works for ESPN, uh, is a pretty – a guy I respect in the college football world. Oh, yeah. And uh, – they, if I believe it was first take that had him on, and he's like, "This is the Urban Meyer I know. This is the Urban Meyer that everybody within the college football world knows. All he is very matter of fact, very black and white. I just care about winning games. If there's any other kind of distraction that could possibly be in my way, you know, I don't really want to deal with it. My thing is like, I mean, it was incredibly heinous, but it's just one being a good person and trying to trying to coach good people and two having some common sense all around the board having common sense whether it be the NCAA saying we suspend these players for games for trying to make some money because they don't get paid some of them don't get paid oh but they get a scholarship time yeah so it's fine uh, true or or, or whatever or the NFL too I don't know why it's mostly in football I don't know you know because why they're two of the most poorly operated hand like from top down organizations but from them to urban meyer to every single person that was involved in this situation negatively to urban meyer's wife as well shame on her as well she's as big of a culprit but nobody nobody looks at her it's like oh wow that's that's shelly you know like it's urban meyer you're you're well he has a lot more clout obviously but she works at the university as well um but i mean it's just that you need to have some common sense with this stuff like the NCAA, bottom line, you're a business. This doesn't look good. They need to step in and do you, something about this. You need to have common sense and you need to have some semblance of a moral compass because mm-hmm. they're the first people to be up on their high horse trying to preserve the you know integrity of the student-athlete. The integrity of the student-athlete went away when these student-athletes started making you millions upon millions of dollars. Yeah, back 100 years ago, the student-athlete was kind of a romantic thing you know like oh wow you know they're they're fit and they're playing a sport and and participating in school spirit while they get their degree and they can go into the workplace that's what the NCAA was meant to do but over time obviously they've produced not students they've produced athletes who are money-making machines to these universities there's a reason the horseshoe sells out they're a hundred and twenty thousand state you know seat stadium every saturday at home saturday of the fall and that's because there's players on there who everybody knows about espn or abc or cbs or whoever is broadcasting that game every you know it's the biggest thing there on that day um, and that's what's, that's what matters. But it, uh, it, you know, from players getting suspended for games because they want to get a little extra money in their pockets, selling off product that they are making, you know, Urban Meyer makes a shit ton of money a year. Nobody's going there to watch Urban Meyer coach. People are going there to watch Urban Meyer coach the players on the field who are going to win them college football games. And the preservation of the romanticized student athlete is bogus. Everybody knows it, particularly on the top tier division one level. Well, absolutely. When those players advance to the next level, they all hate the NCAA. Yeah. You know, openly and vocally. But this shows it. So if a player can get suspended for four games for selling off a little bit of memorabilia so, so he can get more money in his pocket, his degree, maybe he says his degree matters or he'll go back. He's there for one reason. 
is there so he can elevate his draft stock and make millions of dollars in the NFL or in college basketball, you know, in the NBA. And that's what they're there for. And you know what? We've talked about this back during college basketball season. Just fucking acknowledge it. Don't try to make it seem like you're trying to preserve this integrity. There is none. I know what I'm watching. You know what you're watching. Everybody in the world and country knows what they're watching. They're watching a game for their favorite school or alma mater, and they're rooting for the players on the field so that they can win them games, and then you follow them to that next level, and you hope your favorite pro team drafts them, or you get to see them at that next level in the league. I'm not following... You know, Landon Collins. I'm you might you're you're gonna laugh because obviously I'm a fraud Bama fan in your opinion, but I watch him at Alabama, one of my favorite players there, and then he gets drafted by my Giants. I don't know what he went to school for. I don't know what his degrees and it doesn't bite my tongue (laughs) on my Giants thing. It doesn't matter. Forgot you owned a minority state. Right. That's it. Yeah. No. I mean, but that's just what I'm trying to say is. It just if you're gonna let Urban Meyer, you're gonna let these coaches just up and leave their contracts whenever they want to, not having to explain to the students that they and athletes that they recruit. Oh, hey, by the way, I know you really wanted to come here because I told you and I, I sold it, I sold you to it. But yeah, this place has more money, and I'm gonna go there. Um, but good luck. And then if the student wants to transfer, oh well, you're gonna have to redshirt a year. Um, we're going to make it living hell for your credits to transfer to the next school. Uh, you're going to have to get acclimated to that and you might not start there, but Hey, best of luck to you. It's just awful. It really is terrible. And every time I see something like this, it just makes me, you know, I wish I could, I could say I'm not going to watch, but I'm going to. And everybody else that's mad about this subject, which I hope is everybody is also going to turn their TV on this weekend when the college football season starts and they're going to watch because it's fun, it's entertaining, it's sold, it's it's advertised and everybody's ready to go and for three and a half hours I can watch a football game and forget about this terrible thing. And that's what they hope. Yep. I mean, listen, the bottom line is, like I said, if you do the right thing, usually the right thing happens to you. Sometimes there's, you know, Urban Myers and Joe Paternos, but in the end, Everybody remembers them for who they truly were. I don't think anybody's going to be crying when Urban Meyer dies, or I don't think, you know, people felt the same way about Joe Paterno, except for the people that are just blindly going to these, you know, um, pep rallies for Urban Meyer to come back because they they are completely ignorant or just completely defending Joe Paterno. Aside from that. You remember who they really were, and I'm sure there was a bunch more stories about Joe Paterno pushing other shit under the rug that was wrong, and I'm sure there's even more stories that you're that are going to end up coming out in you know the sure. in the internet era of you know Urban Meyer letting kids doing horrible things to females or, or hazing led, or whatever. He has led the nation of any coach that's con- that's been coaching in Division One college football. He is by far ahead of anybody else leading in students who have been arrested or have committed assault or sexual, you know, sexual assault, domestic abuse, been arrested for stealing. He doesn't have good players and they look at their coach. They don't respect him. They respect him as a football coach. And that's why they're there. Well, yeah, Aaron Hernandez. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So. I mean, there's nothing else to say. No, um, we want to get off of this, but we had to give it its due. It's it's not going to change, but, you know, hopefully at some point the right people start doing the right thing, like I said. But moving on, um, we'll talk about the Yankees. Um, a, yeah, a let's little get bit, a little lighter now. You know, a little bit lighter of a topic. We'll talk about, you know, just baseball and nothing else. 
Um, so that. the Yankees are the Yankees are looking a little bit better. Six games back from the Red Sox. You know, things are things are looking all right. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, this is it. This is what's going to start it. They're going to win the division. The Red Sox did just get swept, but I mean, I guess they're human. That's all you have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, they. I I, I still think that they're they're going to go on a run of winning, you know, eight of nine or something like that. But it, you know, like you said, it, they showed a little. A little chink in their armor there, or just a little bit, you know, like they, they. Well, their bullpen, we knew that, you know, the the middle of their bullpen was not great, and they were just basically, you know, either Chris Sell was starting and just absolutely shutting teams down, or they were. Well, David Price has been pitching well too, or they were just mashing teams. Yeah, and you, know? and you know what? I give the Rays a lot of credit. You know, we we were mad when the Yankees lost two or three to them, and how they've gotten swept down in Tampa, but. They fight, man. They really, they are gritty, and they don't take shit. And some of their young players who they've gotten back selling off some of their veterans really return, coming up quick and, and producing. And, uh, you know, it's, an, it's a shame for them that they're playing a division with the Yankees and Red Sox. But no, they're not get, having a terrible year by any They're stretch. nine games over 500. They've won eight in a row. I mean, got to give them credit. But, uh, no, I mean, the, I'm not going to get excited yet by any stretch, just like you said, but... You know, we have spoken to this at nauseum. You can't lose to the Baltimore Orioles. You can't lose to the Chicago White Sox. You can't lose to the Toronto Blue Jays, the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, all of whom they've been playing within the last month. And, and they've been doing They haven't. And, and Yeah, and, you know, they split with the Marlins. They easily could have lost two, but I'm not going to get on that. You know, they won one and, and lost another, and... It is what it is. Uh, they're playing the White Sox right now. The game is scoreless in the top of the fourth. Um, Tanaka's pitching. Uh, you know, it's a it's a team. They, they've run a pretty horrible lineup out there tonight. The Yankees, is that is. But, again, they're trying to weather the storm. I really can't knock them. You know, they, they went to Camden Yards this weekend and, and really beat up on, a, on an Oriole team that they, you know, basically got revenge for going into the series at being 6-6 six and six against them. So, Nice to see. I mean, Hap is five and zero and five starts. That's looking like one of the best moves of any team. Uh, Lynn has pitched well. Uh, Britain's starting to find it now with Chapman on the disabled list. Uh, it looks like he's going to assume the majority of the closing role. Him and Robertson. Him and Robertson. And um, you know, you're you're trying to get production. And Duhar has been out of his mind. Stanton's been picking up the slack power wise. You know, you lose Didi, but you slide Glaber over there. Uh, he's starting to get hot again. Yep. Made some errors in the field, but, but he's you're a rookie. Get that. You're going to get that with a, with a rookie playing yep. shortstop. Yeah, and Didi and Sanchez are due off the DL on Monday in Oakland when they start that pivotal three game set out there and, and nine game road trip between Oakland, Seattle, and Minnesota. So, um, it's that the, that's some that's some uh, some of the cavalry coming back, which you need uh, to lengthen this lineup. That right now tonight has Luke Voigt batting fourth, and Luke Voigt had a nice weekend. But once again, it shows how you know little depth they have. I mean, they're giving a guy who going into that series, I think, had two hits as a Yankee, and he goes in and he ha- he he has a nice series against the worst pitching staff in Major League Baseball, and he's batting cleanup in the next night. I mean, I know you want to ride the hot hand. I'm fine with not seeing Greg Bird in there based off of what he hasn't been doing, but, but you're that's batting back him to the depth. <laughs> I mean, really, what else can you do? Yeah, Shane Robinson, Higashioka, I mean, in the same lineup. I, yeah. mean, I don't care who you're facing, and once again, you know, I look at this lineup, and they might win, they might not, but... This is a terrible lineup in a game that, 
you know, you're riding some momentum. Like, try to try to win these games. You can't you can't put these kind of lineups out there and expect to just roll over these teams. Yeah, but you know, I what I like to see from this team recently, and it's it's consists of any good winning team is everybody's picking each other up. Whether you know, Stanton Stanton last night goes over over four with four strikeouts. You got every you know somebody else is playing well. Andahar is playing out of his mind right now. I think he's probably the front runner for rookie of the year at this point in the um, in the AL. But then you got Voit hitting home runs or or whoever it may be. This team's just gutting out wins, which is what you need until you do get a Sanchez back. You do get a DD back at some point. Hopefully, you get a you know a uh, Aaron Judge back. You know th- that's what I like to see with this team. You need to win these games. Uh, you can't you can't be losing any of these games. But you want this team to start clicking and guys to start picking each other up when you do go out to the West Coast and you start playing teams that are in a playoff hunt because you're going to get healthy and those other guys are going to have a lot more confidence. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, you you, you got to take advantage of even a, even a decimated Yankee lineup should be able to beat the Chicago White Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. So far to this point, they have done that. So. Um, we'll see what's going on. Uh, as we mentioned with Sanchez and Didi, they're coming back, uh, within the week, which is great. Uh, Aroldis Chapman was placed on the DL. That knee's really been giving him trouble. They, uh, injected him with a platelet rich plasma injection, um, shutting him down for two weeks. Hopefully he'll be back, you know, maybe after that West coast trip, with the Raldis Chapman, when that signing was made, you knew how this you knew how this was gonna go. He's gonna have two, three good years, and then it's it's gonna end quick for him. Yeah, I don't know about that because he's developed this slider now that's really good. And even if he if his fastball goes down to ninety eight, ninety nine, I mean that slider was a get me over and kind of just a change of pace the last you know two years. It's become a legitimate pitch now and. And nobody really ever had concern about his knee. Um, so this tendonitis, you know, he's going to have surgery in the offseason. I don't really worry about him. And the bullpen is so loaded where of all the Yankee injuries, I think this is the one they can weather the most, particularly if Britain returns to the form that he did when he was in Baltimore prior to the Achilles surgery. Uh, you know, Robertson's steady. Um Batances has been great. Canley's back up. Green had a Houdini act in Miami. It looks like that put him back into the uh, – it looks like he kind of got his groove back. So we'll see. Um, but once again, you know, they have this last week where they play three against the White Sox here and then four against Detroit in in New York. And, you know, five and two minimum, in my opinion, and and six and one, you know, ideal. Uh, uh, you know, seven and oh is tough. But five and two I wouldn't be upset about. You take your chances, 6-1 and one would be great. Absolutely. And the last thing I think we should probably talk about on the Yankees because we, me and you kind of got into uh, got into a little bit about it last week is Severino. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, completely confident in what I saw, but y- you want your ace to gut those starts out. And I don't want to say he looks to be completely turning a corner. I mean, you disagree with me, but I think he's still fatigued. When a pitcher that can put a ball wherever he wants starts to leave uh, flat pitches, you know, flat off-speed pitches, fastballs right down the middle when he used to be painting the corners, that's usually a mechanical thing, and it either means he's hurt or he's tired. And if he's hurt, the Yankees would have already put him on the DL. That's, like, the best pitcher they've had in the longest time, and they're going to baby him. So if he's tired, uh, it... It's they have be been giving him his rest, though. We we went we debated this last time, but they've been giving him his rest. I mean, he pitched yesterday on eight days rest. 
No, I, I agree with you. I think it's just, you know, the season might be getting to him. He's not used to throwing this many innings. I know he had a big year last year, but he's not fully used to being the ace yet. And I think, you know, this summer he'll probably work on it even more and come back with even winter, more stamina. Sorry, yeah. this winter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what season it is. Um, this winter he'll probably, you know. Seasons are colliding, right? Yeah. Um, he'll probably go back and work on it even more. Um, and he'll come back even stronger next year. But, you know. I like to see that he's gutting it out. Although they were against, you know, in inferior competition, you gotta you gotta play against the guys that you run out there against. Um, but yeah, we we got on him for getting his you know ass handed to him by the Mets. So uh, to pitch well against Toronto and and uh, and Baltimore is encouraging. Yeah, definitely, we'll take it. So um, around yeah. baseball though, so Tom, a couple moves got made. You got any? Uh, did you see anything that caught your eye within the last couple of weeks around the league? I mean, the Chicago Cubs, which you know I did pick them to win the World Series this year, are are hot right now. Uh, Daniel Murphy, I think, is a big time pickup. Um, was a Cubs? I guess you would call him a Cubs killer at one point back when he was with the Mets. But I, I think that's a huge pickup. That's a huge add. Cole Hamels has been almost dominant. Since he's been since he's been over there, we debated him and Hap, and they've been equally as good. For yeah, their no, teams. I would take I would take either one at this point. Um, but I, I think that the Cubs, like I I've been pounding the table for this all year. I mean, not to not to toot my own horn because I'll flip it on the other end. I also was pounding the table saying the Nationals are going to turn it around at some point. So I'll everybody admit when I'm wrong, did. I'll I let will, you slide with that. I will admit when I'm wrong, but the <laughs> Cubs look to be. Distancing, distancing themselves in the uh, in the division, so uh, I think that that move was huge. It's gonna be it's gonna be big for the season, but it's gonna be even bigger in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I mean, I was shocked when I saw that trade go down, especially not even just the fact that the Cubs got him, but how Washington just punted on the season and. And I still, I mean, even down, you know, what was it, eight games in the standings in the lead, in the uh, in the East, but. You're you're going up against two teams that have never be, haven't been here before. You don't know how young players are going to stay, especially in the dog days of August. And I guess they really just looked at themselves kind of like how the Yankees of 2016 did. Now, fortunately, the Yankees acknowledged it earlier and were able to receive a haul for for yeah. some of their assets. But you know, the talent on paper only means so much. And what's crazy about the Nationals is that. If if I pulled out their roster right now, they would still be one of the more talented teams in the NL. I think anybody. That's why I said like I can't get on you for being wrong. I don't know who was right about that. I mean, everybody continuously throughout the season. Oh, they're going to turn it on. They're going to turn it on. You're waiting for it because the talent's there. But some, you know. And I still think people. The other thing was I still think people were kind of underestimating the Phillies and the Braves. I you know I think at some point they thought they were going to fall off and they just haven't. No, they haven't. But still, I mean, they. It should be more of a fight. You would if they're oh, they've win- completely folded. Absolutely. Right. I mean, they're you know they obviously punted on the season. Yeah. So, but so back, that was pretty back staggering. to the Cubbies. I mean, they they look great. Everybody. You you, you texted me last night about a Rod hyping them up last night on the on the broadcast. Yeah. No. I I mean they look great. Um, you know the the teams out west are still battling it out, so it, it's really starting to heat up. Um. Oh, I, I'm excited for September. I, I really am. I mean, some of the division races, particularly if the Yankees can cut it, you know, if the Yankees can get it down to like three when they play that series in New York in mid-September, it's that's really exciting. But in the meantime, you still got the wild card because Oakland doesn't lose. 
And uh, and then in the National League, it is a complete and utter, you know, I mean, that's a wild card really for the fullest extent of that term. I mean, there's like nine teams bunched up that could either win divisions or get into the wild card. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to go down to the wire pretty much in the West and the East, which, which really makes it interesting. I think the Cubs are going to continue to run away with it. The Brewers have kind of uh, kind of taken a step back. Yeah, their pitching's in rough shape. Yeah, which you kind of expected with all those injuries. But then the Cardinals, I mean, they're still rolling. Um, you know, Carpenter's having an all-time second half. He's, he's really playing well. I think well. he's the NL MVP right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely up there with Arenado and a couple other guys. Um, but, yeah, I think I think he could definitely win it. And then, you know, you've got the, the West, like I said. They're all still within two games of each other. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the Dodgers, um, I think, I don't know, I got a feeling something's going to run out on them just because the pitching out there is just so fragile between all of those guys that I think Colorado and um, and Arizona are going to start to take off on them, but you know that we'll we'll have to look we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, What's funny with those teams is it's like one week the Dodgers look like they're coming out gangbusters, you know, like they make the moves and they're winning these dramatic games, and then the next week they lose a couple to the Padres and and the uh, and the Giants and don't look great, and then you know. The, the Rockies just lose just get swept or uh, lose two of three to the Cardinals um, and the Diamondbacks were able to have a nice series against Seattle so I mean they really go all three of them like have had really like ebbed and flowed throughout the uh, throughout the month and really which has been a microcosm of the whole season so it's gonna be a lot of fun no doubt this is what makes baseball fun I mean especially with that second wild card I know Yankee fans don't want to hear it because they're probably gonna have they're going to have the second best record in baseball in all likelihood and have to play a one game playoff. But you know what? That's what makes it exciting. Cause how many years did we see there was no urgency to win the division? Cause you're guaranteed at least three games in a first round series. And now you're not. And all these teams, you know, they're in it longer. So August is more fun, which makes the August waiver wire um, trade deadline season a lot more exciting than it used to be. Um, you got all these teams that probably didn't have chances back at the trade deadline, you know, seven, eight years ago now have chances and they're bolstering their, their rosters. Yeah. And you look at it from the other side too. That just means that there's a lot more buyers. You know, you refer to the Yankees back in 2000 and uh, 2016 and had there not been that second wild card, I don't know if they would have been able to get the type of, to type of return on those players that they got. Good point. Yeah, probably not. So, um, you want to go into some football next? So, well, the last thing I wanted to say was Houston just got Springer off of the DL. There you and, go. you know, you can't count out the, the reigning champs, especially with that kind of talent as well. And Osuna looks like he's really dominating. Uh, that's another thing, just going back to the domestic violence thing. He can pitch in the playoffs, and Robinson Cano, who – didn't affect anybody but himself, can't play in the playoffs. But MLB still, regardless, is doing a lot better of a job than college football and the NFL. Yep, good um, point. But, yeah, moving on. To um, that NFL. Sam Darnold is the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you heard it here, guys. Hot take from, absolutely. The, from, the, from, the, uh, from the Jet fan. Yes, yes. So it, I think he's really looking like the starter, I, I you know. It's, it looks like it's coming coming to fruition. You know, we talked about it a lot earlier. I said if he plays well in preseason, I was hoping he sat out the first couple games. Um, personally, for me, 
I would still like to see him sit out the first couple games, and I'll and I'll tell you why. It's because the Jets have one of the worst offensive lines in a long time. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, have you watched the Giants the last few years? Yeah, I, they have a Giants esque offensive <laughs> line, <laughs> and you know you could you, he could get he's going to take a beating, and that could be fine. I'm sure he can withstand it and all that stuff, but I think that. Josh McCowan should start the first couple of games, but it doesn't really look like it's it's going to happen. It, it's really looking like Dar- Darnold's going to start, and that's great. You know what? Fine. I It's not what I want, but I'm still going to be really excited. I'm still going to watch every single play. Of course and then, you are. You know, as for the other Jets quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater continues to roll. He's generating a ton of buzz right now because, you know, the Minnesota Vikings have a lot of egg on their face because they just invested so much money in a quarterback that – he may be just as good as, and you know, the doctor came out um, trying to call, you know, I, I feel like it was the doctors came out saying, you know, the guy who did his knee surgery said, I, I never expected him to be this good again, all this stuff. And I feel like they just said that cause they kind of gave up on him. Um, and you know, I think that the jets have a, have one of the best trade pieces in the NFL. Um, you know, they might be able to get a second or, you know, even maybe a first round pick for him. Yeah, depending on the sense of urgency. I mean, if something really bad goes down with with a with a contending team with a starting quarterback, I think you could maybe get that first or second. If well, not, you're looking at maybe a fourth or fifth, which still is really good for a guy that you don't have a long term plan for. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you look at a team like Tampa Bay. You look at a team like Denver. I mean, I know Denver just invested a lot of money in Case Keenum, but he does not look like the Case Keenum of last year. Doesn't have nearly the weapons. No, so, and I mean, you think that's... that would be bad if they had a two quarterback system? Because Denver is a team that could compete with that defense and if case kingdom doesn't turn out to be the guy you know you have a bridgewater behind him or if anything to light a fire under his ass yeah and you and you look at a team like tampa bay where you're starting ryan fitzpatrick for the first three games who do you miss him no not at all and that that could absolutely be a crapshoot he could be you know two and one or he could be zero and three and he could have five picks in the first three games Quick side note on that you know who fitzpatrick really to me is he's this era's uh jeff garcia yeah, you need him in relief, and he'll win you some games. But the minute that you commit to him, yeah, that is a bad a move. Yeah. yeah, but but back to back to the point. I mean, if you're if you're Tampa Bay taking a shot on on a Teddy Bridgewater, because I mean, listen, Jameis Winston had a really good year numbers wise last year, but they missed the playoffs yet again, and. It, at this point, he's been more of a pain in the ass than anything. So, you know, maybe you get Teddy Bridgewater, who's from Florida, to just come back down there. Another team is the Dolphins. You know, I could rattle off a few more teams. The Cardinals, if they don't want to start Rosen and Sam Bradford gets hurt, or inevitably when when Sam Bradford gets hurt. There's a lot of teams out there that can use a quarterback. Um, and oh, I yeah. Think he's probably, I think he'd be probably a top three backup in the league. I mean, maybe Nick Foles is better than him, who's probably going to end up being the starter, but I don't see too many being better than him. But dude, I mean, I, we said it last time. I, I'll raise my hand again. I can think of a team right who plays in the same freaking stadium that would lo- that I would love to see. Happen. I, don't, I don't see it happening. I don't either, but if you want to talk about teams that need a backup quarterback, watching Davis Webb this preseason has been, has been hard to watch. Uh, he has not looked good. Um, so I wouldn't mind. I mean – just depending is on the Giants, and then I want to get back to Darnold uh, as he's the topic at hand. But the Giants put all their eggs into the basket of Eli Manning. And if, God forbid, Eli goes down or he really plays awful, they are done. And now that pick 
of Barkley and now the mega signing, which we'll get into, of Beckham uh, look like a complete waste. So I think Bridgewater would fit that, but I, I don't know if they would do it, but I think that there could be that urgency where the Giants look at, hey, are we really going to trust a 37-year-old quarterback who's never been hurt, but, you know, And to, that's to what you want up. as the Jets is that sense of urgency because that's what's going to, you know. You could probably minute- buy a, four or fifth, a fourth or fifth from the Giants, which is probably not bad. Yeah, but, you know, you look at a, you look at a team like the Minnesota Vikings. They traded second rounder for Sam Bradford. Well, that's because they were a team. No, they traded a first, but they, they believe that they were, that they had a, that they had a chance to win. Um, so that's why they did it, and they had literally nobody else. Um, the Giants would be doing it purely from, you know, in, in this hypothetical. They'd be doing it just to have an actual security blanket if, God forbid, Eli goes down. But back to Darnold for a minute. The Jets play three games in ten days to start the season against some pretty decent defenses. And um, that's a lot to put on a young kid, but I watched that giant jet game. He didn't light it up, but I tell you, he looked impressive. Eight of 16. The numbers don't do it justice, but he was protecting the football. He had, yeah, a very mobile, had complete control and poise in that setting. And I know it's a preseason game, but you know, the city's hype. That's the dress rehearsal game. You're seeing the giants full defense. And I watched his first possession and he cut him up and went right down the field and handed it off to, uh, I think it was Powell for a touchdown. So, I mean, I was impressed with what I saw from him. I'm not going to let the numbers really change what I saw. I think if, if if he's ready and they believe he's ready, you invested your future in him, and you're going to have to play him at some point this yeah, year. Yeah, and we've been saying that since And it since might the not start be a bad idea. Maybe he's ahead of where they thought, and they were just saying, oh, you know, we have McCown. I don't see a scenario in which Bridgewater plays for the Jets. I don't because – if you're going to go with a veteran simply because you want to go with a veteran, you're going to go with a guy who you have no problem with losing his job. If Teddy Bridgewater's playing out of his mind, yeah, you're winning, but now you're doing it at the expense of a guy who probably is ready to play. So that that's a tough situation. I don't think they want to do that. So it's either Darnold starts or Darnold sits for McCown for, you know, a couple games. I, I don't, I don't see a problem. If you believe he's ready and this is coming from a guy, I know we made the comparison, but saw Eli, you know, come in and, and really shit the bed when, when he was moved for Warner that allowed him to get those growing pains out of the way. You spoke to it yourself. If he's playing, and he shows some signs, but they're losing. You're getting that top draft pick, and now he's gone through the growing pains of a full NFL season, and now it's all systems go next year. I think that's a, probably a good idea. If he's ready to go and he's your third, oh, number one overall pick, or number one pick, the third overall, shit, man, I think you got to do it. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I, I was just worried about him getting banged up just because that is some you good can't defenses worry about on a it. terrible offensive line, but. He's a big, strong kid. He'll he's a big boy. He's a big yeah, boy. Yeah, he is. He'll you can't be all worry right. about that either because you know what? In the NFL, it's going to happen at some point. You're gonna you're gonna get knocked down. You're gonna have to get back up. You're gonna face good defenses. There's gonna be guys gunning for you because you're a top pick. You're a rookie. Defenses are gonna try to uh, you know they're gonna try to dissect you. They're gonna try to knock you off your game and and kind of ruin your confidence, regardless of whom you're playing. So, um. I've been impressed with everything I've seen and heard from him. And if I'm a Jet fan, 
I, I would I would be very encouraged with what I've seen. I don't think he suits up. I don't think he plays a snap in the game against the Eagles this week. I think that's going to be the Teddy Bridgewater show. They're going to showcase him for any team that's around that that's looking for him. And I think they're going to name Sam Darnold the starting quarterback for that Monday night game in, in Detroit. I mean, as a, as a Jets fan, you can't be you haven't been this excited in in a really long time, probably since Brett Favre was the quarterback. And yeah, I think I think when too. I think once you know when Sanchez made because Sanchez True. actually they played quite well in his first couple starts, but you know I think everybody was people in the NFL knew that they reached for him, and you were hoping to grab some potential. Sam Darnold, from all indications, was the safest quarterback you could have possibly taken. We said it when we analyzed the draft. You can't possibly say a bad thing about that pick. And even if he doesn't turn out to be the next Jet quarterback, there's nobody that could say that was a bad pick at the time. Yeah, man, it's really exciting. Uh, But moving on to the Giants, we talked about him. He's sponsoring the podcast. Um, Odell Beckham. They backed, wow! As the, as wow. everyone's been saying, they backed up the Brinks truck. Ninety-five million, sixty-five million guaranteed over five years, making him the highest-paid wide receiver in the history of the league, um, and justifiably so. Now, everybody that's read my article on SorrySports.com and everybody that's heard us discussing on this forum, you, I don't believe that a number one wide receiver or a number one running back win you Super Bowls. But I'll tell you one thing. They put you in a very precarious situation if they're playing really well and you're investing in a short-term window. And that's what the Giants are doing. You know, by not drafting a Sam Darnold and and, and going with Eli and, and drafting Barkley, and you have this generational talent in Odell Beckham. And I don't care if you want to say he's the best – you put him, Julio, and Antonio Brown one, two, three, in whatever order you want, and I'll and 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 he's worth every cent of that of that contract he got. In you know he's tying up the cap, but I'm not a capologist. I'm sure there's people a million times smarter than me who will figure out how to sign other players. But you know you're not going to have a quarterback once Eli's gone that's going to be making a lot of money. Um, so Beckham's going to make a lot. You know, you hope you Barkley. develop a guy. Barkley's eventually going to get a big deal. He already did. Yeah, true. But you're, he's going to get a bigger one at yeah. some point. Um, you know, you're going to have to pay this defense that they, you know, put $220 million into a couple off seasons ago. Um, I, I Listen, man, I, you got to do it. So I, And I'm, I can't say I'm upset because what's the alternative? What's the alternative? You're going to tell your fans and your franchise and your team that you're going to let Odell Beckham go? I mean, look at the mess that's going on in Oakland right now with Khalil Mack. They're going to let him walk out the door. They're going to trade him, and they're not going to get anything. Even if they get two first-rounders and a starting player, it's still not worth the value that Khalil Mack is. And, yes, I believe a top pass rusher is more valuable than a wide receiver, but in 2016, in a pretty anemic offense, Odell Beckham single-handedly won the Giants about five games, taking 10-yard slant passes 75 yards to the house. And I know he's going to get on some fans for being a little prima donna and getting in fights with a kicking net and doing these celebrations and having off-the-field photos and videos. To any Giant fan that's bothered by that, and I wasn't around then, Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> All right. Uh, if he wins you ball games and he plays well, his teammates love him. You can see how happy they were for him when he got his deal today. Um, 
he's the franchise. He's the marketability. I mean, everybody that used to wear number 10 jerseys for Eli, you know, those have all been usurped with number 13. Everybody knows number 13 in blue. And that's another huge ever thing since, when these decisions are made. Ever since he made that catch against the Cowboys, he has become, he trans, honestly, he transcends football. He He's a true Which A-list is hard celebrity. To do yeah, football. this is not the NBA. He is a true A-list celebrity. Believe, like, believe it or not, he is, you know, everybody knows him, whether he's out there rocking Supreme on some red carpet or, or doing, or, you know, he created that whole stupid dance with the Drake song. Like, he was the first one to do that. He's an absolute phenomenon, and the Giants didn't have a choice. Now, I think, contrary to some other people that don't, that think paying him is silly and whatnot, I think that the Giants are honestly in a really good situation I to be paying him like this because you have to look at it. From this point of view, Eli Manning's got maybe one or two years left in him. Then you're probably going to trade a boatload of picks and you're going to go up and get your next quarterback for the few years and he's going to be making nothing. So, of course, there's going to be a high cap player making 20 plus million dollars a year on your roster. Usually it's the quarterback, typically. But when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, a la the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. You're looking at it now with the Rams. You can pay you can pay other people quarterback money and then by the time the rookie is ready, the quarterback is ready for his big deal, those guys are already off the books. So it's a cyclical thing. Aside from the Patriots who are just an absolute anomaly, nobody is good for more than 5 years in the NFL because it's completely cyclical. That's the way the league is designed with the cap and the Giants I think put them in a re- put themselves in a really good position to be able to pay Odell Beckham during his prime years instead of giving him a thank you contract at the end and now they can start to rebuild. They have him locked up, they have Barkley locked up, their most of their defense is locked up. Shepard's still young. Yeah, you're going to have to Evan pay Ingram. Colin soon though. Yes, yeah. you will, but they're going to have they room for that. that because when you have a when you have a rookie quarterback on a deal on an offensive team that's an absolute juggernaut, you can do things like that. Just look at the Rams. They're throwing dollars at, at Darnold's about Donald Donald. Sorry, I got Darnold on the mind. <laughs> Donald's about to go get a huge deal from from the uh, from the Rams because Jared Goff is on a rookie contract. And I know I understand Eli Manning's not on a rookie contract right now, but he's almost out the door. So right. this is a perfect time to pay him. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said that better, and I think you did a great job detailing that for, for people who may not understand how the cap really works and, and what the Giants' situation is. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And when you have a player of that talent, you know, my whole point was with you know with the Barkley pick and the, and the Beckham, you know, signing is – yeah, well, you know, the last two Giants teams, you know, the best wide receiver was probably Plaxico Burris, who was probably the best of that second-tier group of receivers. League, though, it's man. a different league now, too. And what I was going to say is, are you, a, are, are you a bad, are you a worse team with Odell Beckham? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And not, I, that's, that's on the field, not to mention, like I said, all the stuff he generates off the field yeah that especially helps. when now, now he's happy. And those go into those decisions. Whether people want to admit it or not, you know, you're playing in the biggest market in sports. You're playing for one of the biggest names in sports, especially in the NFL and the Giants. And, you know, they want their primetime games. They want all their jersey sales. You know, they don't want to be losing out sales, especially now with a team who just drafted, you know, Sam Darnold, who could be that next great quarterback in the NFL, the next big star. They're not going to lose out on Beckham. And, and whether people want to admit it or not, that's important. Um, the other thing, too, is 
think about it this way as, as we wrap up this topic and thank you again Odell for we already had a loaded show talk he really he really kept it going but so the Giants clearly invested their short-term future in Eli Manning they had an opportunity to move up in the or to use their second overall pick on a quarterback and they didn't we know that but you so you draft Barkley why is the reason you draft Barkley you want to add you want to add depth to your offense why do you go out and spend the most money ever on a left tackle for Nate Solder you want to give Eli protection which he hasn't had the last few years why do you use your second round pick on Will Hernandez you want to get another one of those big O linemen that can protect Eli's blindside you signed another offensive lineman the guy from Jacksonville to sure up the right guard position so they're doing better you have weapons of, of Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram who you know runs like a receiver out of the tight end position Shepard's a great slot guy and then, you know, you can find another receiver to go oppo uh, Beckham. There was no way they were not going to get this deal done. They're sinking all their eggs into the basket of the next one or two years to try to give Eli that third ring. In addition to that, what a security blanket for whatever quarterback comes next. So you might have a quarterback who maybe it's Webb, maybe it's Loletta, who actually has impressed me a little bit in this in, in the preseason, the guy out of Richmond. Very Alex Smith kind of type, you know, control the ball, mobile, but uh, not a real deep threat, but high efficiency passing. You know, what a security blanket that would be is if you're going in and you have Saquon Barkley and you have Odell Beckham on the outside. Like I said, that 2016 offense was about as putrid as last year, but the only difference was they had Odell Beckham running 5 to 10 yard slant passes, 75 yards to the house. And... Not a lot of people in the NFL can do that. Maybe nobody. He has numbers in his first four years, five years in the league that are literally better than anybody else. So, I mean, this is a singular talent that you cannot let go. And what a security blanket for a 37-year-old quarterback who's trying to win. And what a security blanket for the next guy that comes in the door, whether it's a young guy or, um, or you know, another veteran quarterback. I mean, yeah, I think you're going to appeal to a quarterback by saying, hey, we have Odell Beckham that you can throw the ball to and a happy Odell who got his money. And I think, you know, we, we agreed he was not stepping on the field without a deal. And why should he? We Everybody knows who listens to our show, knows our stance on the NFL and holdouts. If you have one opportunity to make your big payday, the risk is not worth the reward. You sit your ass down and you demand what you've what Especially you get. Especially in the preseason, I mean, you just saw Marquise Lee is out for the season in Jacksonville. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it had to be done, and I think, uh, contrary to a couple people's beliefs, it was it was a perfect time to do it for the Giants. I think the people that don't like it are people who don't like him, and I, and and I and or just I'm, people that don't understand. And, right? Yeah, that too. And, and you know, I I will admit that some of his act has is stale on me. I don't like some of the shit he does, but I'm a purist. I, I hand the ball to the ref and do whatever and score your touchdown. But that's not how the game is. And he's an entertainer. You said he's an A-list celebrity. The reason is is not only is he amazing on the field but he's entertaining as fuck on the field and off of it. So he's he, that's what you're going to get with him. You hope he's a little bit more mature, but his teammates love him. Nobody thinks he's a bad guy. If he was, I don't think that they would be doing this. They had their chance to trade him, and at which there were whispers of at the draft. They, they did anything but that. They met in the middle, gave him his giant contract, and good for him. Um, and, and good for the Giants. I think they're in a good position, and the people who don't like it, 
You know, you clearly don't understand what you're talking about, and you believe that you can just go out and find a wide receiver that can do what Odell does. That's not how it works. You're not going to find. You can find decent wide receivers with a with with a good offense, but you're not going to find a guy who, aside from his injuries, is having one of, probably the greatest early start to a career. As he a makes wide you better. Ever. At the end of the day, he makes you better. And yeah, if you he can, does things that nobody else in the league can do. Right. Um, and he on top of that, he's super marketable. He won't so be the reason it's they a win. win. The board, but he will be a big part of why they win. Absolutely. So moving on after that, we already mentioned um, Aaron Donald. Whatever. Donald. Aaron Donald. Dude, I'm telling you right now, you gotta stop if this is going on all year. <laughs> Aaron Donald. Um, and he looks like he's about to sign a mega deal with the Rams. We already talked about that a little bit, and I gave some insight into it. Perfect time again for the Rams to go ahead and do that. Jared Goff's on a rookie deal. You saw the Seattle Seahawks build. You know, aside from a silly non-handoff to Marshawn Lynch, um, dynasty. You know, they were they were really good for about six years there, and that was because Russell will their GM was very smart and he was ahead of his time when the with the new player agreement and all that stuff, the new CBA, um, and he figured it out before anybody else that you get a rookie quarterback that's capable of starting right at the beginning. I mean, listen, Seattle also drafted a quarterback every single year, and they just ha- they had Matt Flynn starting, and they just happened to land a fourth-round pick. <laughs> I totally forgot that, about that. That turned out to be <laughs> Russell Wilson. But you know what? They took advantage of it. They signed guys to big-time deals that you wouldn't see otherwise if you have an Aaron Rodgers or if you have you know, a Matt Ryan or a Matthew Stafford or, or you name the list on big-time deals because Russell Wilson was on a small deal. That's the bottom yeah, line. Listen, and they could take advantage right. of it, and that's why you see the Rams making these moves. It's going to be a three- to four-year window for the Rams. That's why Gurley got a huge deal. That's why Brandon Donald, Cooks. Brandon Cooks, I don't really agree with that deal because I don't I, either. But they 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 kind sunk of a, a lot of money, pony, but they absolutely did. Um, and you know that's why that's why Donald is going to get a huge deal, probably a record breaking deal. He deserves it. That they're going to have one of the best defensive lines, you know, right up there with the Eagles. Um, and you know, I think it's definitely going to get done. Now going to another team in California, you have the Raiders for and, now. Well, yes, they're they're going <laughs> to be going to Vegas. Soon. Yep, but they're there now. This isn't this isn't a situation where I got the Chargers wrong last time. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, um, I'm just saying for people, I still can't believe they're moving to Vegas. But I think it'll be good for them. But so you have Khalil Mack, who by all accounts is probably one of the top three defensive players in the league, if not the best at this point. Von Miller's a little bit older, um, and they're not paying him. And John Gruden. And his camp out there have done a lot of interesting things. And I'm not saying good. I'm not saying bad. It's kind of a wait and see. But they've done a lot of interesting things. Yeah, I agree, man. You- I mean, even even on a minute note, they traded for um, the Jets quarterback, and then they cut him a couple Oh, a couple yeah, months yeah, ago. yeah. The, um, the guy that couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat yes. second round. Hackenberg, yeah. Hackenberg, yes. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the Jets, if they sent a bag of balls <laughs> to the Jets, they would have got, you know, return for that. Brand new jugs machine, something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, they, I mean, the, the things that he's doing just make you scratch your head. But, you know, it, we'll, we'll have to see. He was a great coach, you know, 10 years ago. So we'll have to see. But when it comes to this, the fact that they haven't been able to figure out a deal, and I get it. You know, they're in a worse situation because they signed Carr to a big deal. 
Cooper's going to be looking for a big deal if he has a better season than last year. They have a guy that can get it to him. Carr was hurt a decent amount last year. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, like you said, even if you do get two first rounds and a third or, or whatever you said earlier, you're still taking a loss on it because he's a guaranteed big-time player. Khalil Mack is one of those guys that he is a singular talent that doesn't have an equal value because of how good he is. And you can put him on any defense, and I think it becomes maybe not necessarily elite, but in the upper echelon. That's how good he is. I heard a stat. He has 33 and a half sacks in the last three years. He's an animal. He's an absolute beast. And I tell you, if I really want to, if I really want to make you excited, you keep saying Darnold's name. I would, if I were the Jets, there I have, would hone in on him. I know absolutely. there have been discussions. There, you know, they and have the not, capital to do it because that's they not can, just a pipe dream. Either. No, it's not. They and could that's sign going him. To my entire argument with the Odell Beckham thing and the Jared Goff and the Russell Wilson, pay him like a quarterback because you don't have to pay your quarterback like a quarterback. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, and and, and I don't think that there's a better example that fits your narrative because he. If you the Jets defense is good. I think the Jets defense is top five good, maybe top ten, but they're good. But what they don't have is an elite pass rusher. They have a lot of versatile pieces. They have an awesome secondary. Leonard, Leonard Williams, Williams can get after the quarterback, but I wouldn't He's put an him. Lineman. You yeah, know and I wouldn't put him at that, you know, at that top level. He's a very, very good player, don't get me wrong. But if you can insert a Khalil Mack on that jet line. And you pay him his, you know, record-breaking deal, twenty million a year. I mean, oh my God! And and you know what? I would lock With him every in sixty day, million for three years. I Do would it. too. And every day that passes, Fuck that it. becomes a more opportune, uh, you know, a better opportunity. Because remember, last year I know it was a much lesser trade, but they got Javon Curse last year after the preseason concluded and prior to the start of the season. There's moves to be made and. For every day that passes, I mean, John Gruden says they haven't had a conversation. I find that hard to believe. He's not going to step foot on a field, and I sure as shit don't blame him. This is his opportunity for a big payday. He sees what's going on in the landscape of the league as far as how valuable he is. His value will never be higher than what it is now, and he's on the trajectory to be one of the best. You know, it's another team is maybe you put him Reggie White part two and put him in Green Bay. Give that's, them, that's give, give, you know, Rogers that defense that, you know, Reggie White gave for. Green Bay is not in that great of a position, though. No, but if you they've put, paid a lot to that offensive line, Aaron Rodgers is due for another They big do, time but contract. if they could maneuver the cap a little bit and maybe trade some dead money or a guy that maybe Oakland, like you said, hey, they've made some interesting moves, so maybe they target somebody on that Green Bay roster that the Packers see as relatively expendable, and you put Khalil Mack, all of a sudden, even if that defense – may not have a lot of a lot of other pieces he makes them automatically like you know top 10 good just simply because of the impact that he has on the on that side of the ball so i i'm very interested of all the storylines that have gone on with what's going to happen with odell and what the jets starting quarterback is going to be and and the aaron donald potential signing and what have you i think this is the biggest one because this actually has legs i don't think he's going to play another game in oakland yeah, I don't. It's I don't think so either. Way. I think the deal. I think a trade is going to get done within the next week and a half. It's it's really going to start to heat up because things in the NFL. It's not like the NBA where like you're talking about a Kyrie Irving trade for for months on end and then it finally gets done. Things in the NFL happen really fast because they have to. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that that's another interesting thing. But looking forward, we got week four of the preseason coming up. You know, by all accounts, probably the most boring week of the preseason. You're really not going to see any of the starters out there. Really sloppy games. Maybe you'll see a couple guys, you know, a couple rookies that you get excited for. As, as a Jets fan, I, I'm a little more excited than probably most because you get to watch Teddy Bridgewater play probably three quarters, maybe even. Yeah, he'll play a lot. Yeah, so that'll be really excited just for him to shoot his trade value up. You know, it was a tough story with him destroying his knee. He's by all accounts, seems like a good person. I don't know him, but everybody, you know, nobody has a bad thing He's to say about him. He's got for. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely, and I hope, you know, not only do I hope, obviously, selfishly, I hope the Jets get a really good return on him, but I, I also just hope that he has a, um, you know, a, a, a good nice, career. Well, yeah, a nice extended career, particularly after what, you know, he went through, and, and especially hearing that doctor talk about how he had literally never seen a worse knee injury. I mean, that's... That's pretty amazing that he's back to playing at, in the NFL at the level that he's playing at, and yeah, you hope he lands on his feet for sure. Uh, this what is are you game, looking? What are you looking for across the league, especially know, with the Giants? Yeah, you know, across the league, I'm I'm really like I said, I really want to see what happens with Khalil Mack. I think that Aaron Donald deal is going to get done. You know, especially now that Beckham did his. You know, I think Donald's going to get his. Um, as far as competition battles, uh, there's really not a lot to see other than what's going on with your Jets. With the Giants, I want to see some competency from a backup quarterback because y- y- you knock on wood and you hope to God as a Giant fan that that Eli will continue because I, I still consider his consecutive game streak intact. Yeah, McAdoosh d- did something that fucked we him get over. It. But, you said it, he yeah. said it a bunch of times. <laughs> I'll that say it scummy. again. That um, was scummy. I agree with you. But, but you know, he's, he hasn't missed a game really in, in, tw- in 13 years. So you hope that continues. I always have said this and I know I'm an Eli apologist, sometimes almost to a fault, but I can't put in any of what happened on him uh, in the last year on him. I mean, they you can't give a 37-year-old a mobile quarterback. He wasn't mobile at 27. He's not mobile at 37. No protection, no running game, and all his weapons hurt. So now he has a chance, an improved offensive line. You get Saquon Barkley at number two, who's going to open up the running game, who's going to open up, you know, who's going to pass block really well, gives you some another option, um, you know, in the flat and out of the receivers. You just paid Odell. He's healthy. The only reason he hasn't played is because he didn't want to risk anything with the deal. Without a deal, rather. You got Shepard. You got Ingram. I'm ready to go. If anything, God forbid, happens, they don't have a backup that I trust. Davis Webb has not looked great in the preseason. Laletta's looked better, but he's playing against third and fourth teamers, guys who aren't going to have jobs in a couple days. So I don't know. I mean, um, I'm interested to see where Bridgewater lands. From the Giants, is just please, anybody important, don't get hurt. Get through the last week and a half of camp, and they'll see you on September 9th in uh, – against the Jaguars. Yeah, man, absolutely. So this is the the last week without real football for, for a long time. It's it's exciting. Um, so moving on, I guess we'll talk about something that um, I watch, but I'm not incredibly passionate about. I don't have a team, but of course I know what's going on. I follow it. Uh, we'll talk about some college football, I guess. Now, I think we need to just get the cat out of the bag for anybody because as we talk about it throughout the season, I am an Alabama fan. The quick story is back when I was in like seventh grade, 
I was watching uh, my. I, I don't. I didn't have a team growing up, so no I. No one cares. I don't just care. So you know. Just saying. And uh, saw a guy make a hell of a catch, and I was like, oh, I like those traditional uniforms. I was with the Mike Shula days, who is now the Giants' offensive coordinator. Of course, they've turned into a juggernaut. I'm giving the backstory so you and everybody else can get off my back for being a fraud. Um, but no, I think college football's fun. Uh, obviously, we detailed the the terrible situation at OSU. But have you ever stepped foot in Alabama? I have. Have you? Uh, no. Okay. You'll never go to Alabama. <laughs> you will never be in that state in your life. I'd like to go to, uh, to Brian Denny for sure. That's on the bucket list. But anyway, that's not important. Um, what is important is just discussing kind of the landscape of, you know, of college football. Alabama's project number one. They open with oh, Louisville. No <laughs> yeah, they open with Louisville, uh, which was more of an attractive game if Lamar Jackson had stayed. They're not projected to do too much. Uh, this season with, without him, they got a freshman quarterback who they're going to start. Lamar Jackson, speaking of which, looks great. He looks not great, but he, he looks, looks really good. good. Yeah, yeah, he looks good in Baltimore for sure. I we both said that could be a sleeper pick. Uh, a- absolutely. But continuing back to yeah, college football, so, sorry, I no was problem. Trying to revert you got, back to you, the NFL. <laughs> you got Clemson, who's a juggernaut. I, I believe that they're going to take the ACC again. Um, North Carolina is a, a sneaky team. They they've really improved over the last few years. Yeah, but you already alluded to the fact that they have a couple guys suspended. They for have a couple years. guys suspended, and I was just going to say that's that's the biggest problem. Is I don't think they're going to all on the defense and big defensive linemen. So I, I don't think that that's uh, I think that's going to put them behind the eight ball. I I really Washington's got a good chance to get the six, to Pac twelve again this year. Yeah, Washington's interesting because they open against Auburn in in a game, and and every opportunity that one of these Pac twelve teams, you know, Washington dominated the Pac-12 over the last few years and they've gotten their asses handed to them every time they've played a team from the SEC or the ACC. Um, it doesn't seem like they've stacked up. Um, so they're going to they're gonna put up a lot of points out there. I'm very interested to see how they play against Auburn because um, uh, Stenon is, is playing again at, uh, at quarterback for, for uh, Auburn and he's really good. Um, he had a hell of a year last year. Really adds that dual threat that um, that they like to run down there. Uh, big, tall guy throws the ball down the field, but also mobile as hell. Uh, Auburn's really good. You know, they they didn't show up in the SEC championship last year to uh, against Georgia, and that cost them because they beat Bama in the Iron Bowl, and they all, they were ready to go into the college football playoff. So I'm interested to see how that game goes. In week one, just some of the notable matchups that I want to see. I'm very interested to see that Notre Dame-Michigan game. I think the Big Ten is always overrated, um, but they have good programs. That game's at Notre Dame. Um, I'm also looking at Virginia Tech, Florida State. Florida State now post Jimbo Fisher uh, with him going to A&M. So their new coach is going to have a chance to win a big game early. Uh, Virginia Tech is always a scrappy team. Um, you know, that's a nice ACC battle right there to start off the season. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that game as well. Uh, Miami, LSU. LSU hasn't had a quarterback in God knows how long. Um, they're kind of that team that doesn't have the ability to push through in the SEC West. They're always rated higher, but... By the end of the year, you know, they really struggle against Bama every year. They struggle against Auburn. They always have an elite defense, and it seems like they're, you know, between Fournette and then Darius Geis. I mean, boy, do they produce offensive talents, but for some reason their offense is never good. Yeah, and, I mean, you haven't even mentioned the, f- the wide receivers that have come through that right, program. Beckham and Landry, and, yeah, I mean, it's just on down the line. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that team, they always have a great offense. They just never have a good quarterback. Well, that's the thing. They have great offensive weapons, but they never put up points. And those elite defenses that seem to always be there in the SEC, like the Alabamas, like the Auburns, like the Georgias, really never, even Florida, for as awful as they've been over the last few years offensively, you know, they've, up till Georgia really, you know, pushed through this past year um, with, um, you know, they, they haven't had an opportunity to push past Florida and Florida doesn't score. So I think Georgia's going to have a really good this year, that good year this year. They, they had, I think one of the top three recruiting classes last year. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're going to look really good, but why don't we go over, you know, just, we're not going to go in depth like we do at the NFL, but why don't you just give us an overview of, you know, who you think, what you think is going to come out of the, the, all the major conferences. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, you're in the, in the sec, it, it's Bama and Georgia again, you know, Georgia should pretty much run the, SEC East, which is really not good. Um, and then you're going to have a dogfight in the, you know, I think Auburn's going to have a really good year again, but I'm very interested to see how Tua does for Bama. I, I know Saban won't commit to a quarterback, but it's going to be Tua. He's he's going to play. He's going to get the majority of the reps, and he's going to have an opportunity to open up uh, that offense that Jalen Hurts has run well, but doesn't add much of a threat. So I think I think you know you're going to have one of those two teams in addition to Georgia. I wouldn't be surprised if two SEC teams again this year made it to the college football playoff because I think they're that good. Jake Fromm, the quarterback for Georgia, is just going to get better, and he yeah, was about as stud. he was about as good as you can get as a as a true freshman. Giants starting. quarterback. In a <laughs> years? Hey, I and they sure, trade their I first, second, not, third, and fourth round draft pick. I wouldn't mind seeing him if he if he duplicates what he did last year. Um, in the Big Ten, I think you're unfortunately going to have to see Ohio State again. Uh, Penn State lost a lot of a lot of talent, but a team that never really gets talked about that much, but yet they're always there is Wisconsin. They always have a really good running game. They dominate the offensive and defensive lines. And they're always right there in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, and the and Nebraska's got a new head coach, and supposedly they're going to be a little bit better this year too, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, the the Big Ten is probably the deepest conference. I th- I would say the SEC and the ACC are probably better as far as top heavy teams. Like Clemson will pro- will definitely win the ACC again. Um, they'll probably be in the Final Four. Yeah, they'll they'll make the college football playoff barring any significant injury. Um, Bryant Kelly. Or is is a nice quarterback. He was a number one quarterback recruit, right? The yeah, with the long well, hair. He, well, no, he he started last year. He he came in after Deshaun Watson, so he's a nice player. He he adds kind of that same dimension that Deshaun Watson did. Um, he, he needs to work on his accuracy passing, but he's a nice player. And man, I I really like the way that that team that that team plays. I mean, they have some beasts on on both lines always really good and they have the offense to boot i don't think the acc especially now that florida state's taken a little bit of a dive is that good um so yeah i I would say you're you're looking at clemson to run the acc you're looking at a bama georgia probably uh sec championship unless auburn sneaks its way in there the iron bowl again it always has huge implications but i think this year is going to be a monster again i think both teams are going to be very good uh beat up on some inferior competition i was thinking of trevor lawrence Okay, That's the kid. He's for got the, the number California re- looking kid. Recruit for Clemson. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're going to mold him in. I'm sure Dabo Sweeney's going to mold him in once Kelly Bryant goes pro and, and have that nice next quarterback. Uh, he's such a good coach, man. He's such a good coach. Oh, yeah, he's great. Um, and then in the Big Ten, you know, I, I like Wisconsin a lot. Penn State's taking a step back. Uh, even though they still have the quarterback, they've lost a couple injuries, and obviously Saquon left. 
Um, Ohio State's going to be there. You know, it sucks, but they're going to be there. Michigan, I think, is overrated. I think they always are. They can't score any points. Their defense isn't bad, but I don't think it's ever as good as people believe. Yeah, it's, Har- it's really interesting. Harbaugh has not been able to get a quarterback after almost getting RG3 and getting Andrew Luck out there to Stanford. It's really interesting that he hasn't been able to get a top quarterback and then also develop whoever he has there. Yeah, because he's had, he's had good recruits. But they haven't panned out, and I don't know whether he rushes them. I don't know of whether he puts them into a system that's not really geared toward their skill set, which I always find interesting considering how in college you're directly recruiting players to fit your schemes. But um, I, 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 I think they're a little overrated going into the Pac-12. I like Washington a lot. I don't think that division's good. I mean, I'm interested to see what Herm Edwards does um, out in uh, – I'm interested to see what Herm Edwards does out there at Arizona State. Um, they're getting better. Uh, I think that that's a, that's a program that's going to recruit, but you know, I think he could take take them to that next level. Washington should run that. Washington State scores a lot of points. Mike Leach is crazy. Always gets a quarterback that can open it up out there um, when they play that game. It's always fun. And in the Big 12, it, 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 that – that you got Oklahoma, I, West Virginia with Greer at quarterback is had a really nice year last year. I think he could do some damage. Um, that offense put up a lot of points last year. TCU's in the top TCU's twenty-five. TCU's in the top they're twenty-five. TCU's always there, and yet you know they're another one of these programs that seems to lose games that they shouldn't lose. I remember going; they were they went into Ames, Iowa to play Iowa State last year, and and really got hammered. The Big Twelve is the offense. You know, it's all about the offenses. It's the no defense conference. Uh, if you like seeing games in the 40s and 50s, that's the league for you. I'd like to see, too, just going back to the SEC for, for a quick second, how Jimbo Fisher does at AM. Um, I thought Kevin Sumlin was a really good coach. I thought they had some good years. And they're unfortunately a product a lot like an Arkansas, a lot like a Mississippi State, a lot like an Ole Miss. Good programs with some talent, but it doesn't match up to Bama and it doesn't match up to Auburn. I mean, Auburn has their year or two where they go down, but they integrate their recruits. Obviously, you know, as long as Saban is at Alabama, that's a program that's going to continue to, to dominate. It just is the way it is. It's almost that you feel the same way about them as you do with the Patriots, obviously in the NFL. Um, so if you were to, if I were to say the four teams that are going to make it, I would probably go Bama. I'd probably go Georgia, two SEC teams again, I'm probably going to go with Ohio State. I think they go on a roll and find their way in, and I think Clemson. I think I think Washington will find their way out when the committee decides that they haven't played anybody. They need if they beat Auburn on uh, on Saturday. I think that could that could really vault them because that's a game early in the season where the committee's going to say, "Wow, you know that was a big win." That's yeah, what man. I love about college football, too, is every game matters, whether it's the first week or the second week. I mean, Ohio State didn't get in last year because That's they lost really to Oklahoma in week two. Yeah, is that every game matters. Every game's a big game. Yep. I mean, I guess I'll have to throw my top four out there, although I don't have too much knowledge about it. So I'll do it, whatever. I'll probably be right in the end anyways. So I'll go, you know, my top four, Alabama, Georgia, I think Ohio State's going to get in there. It's going to be it, – nobody's going to be happy about it, but that's just going to be the way it is. And then I think 
I think that Miami's going to do it this year. I think they're going to go to the to the to the top. Four do you as think well. so? And then I think. See, I didn't even mention them in the ACC because I think they're a little overrated. Well, you know more than me, but I'm just going with it because I remember last year was a really fun year for Miami. But yeah, I think that I I think that Alabama is going to win another national championship. They'll probably end up playing Georgia. Um, although Auburn is going to make it really interesting for them, um, make it really interesting for Georgia as well. Um, and then I think Ohio State's going to get to the Final Four, and there's going to be that push and that pull of you know what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, and we'll be talking about it at the end of the year too. You know where it's, you know, Ohio State's going to start three and zero, and yeah, it's it's I, not going to matter. I think what's what's going to be interesting about teams like Ohio State and Washington, it's going to be how they play. They're going to have opportunities, and even teams in the Big 12 like in Oklahoma, you know, there's trap games in those conferences. I mean, every year Iowa seems to upset somebody in Iowa City. That's a tough place to play. And Ohio State lost by like 45 there yep, last year. I remember year. that controversy uh, of how they made it into the top Yeah, four and that's what smacked. they were saying. It was like, we cannot... If you lost to Oklahoma, who we regard as one of the best teams in the country... Okay, fine, even if it was at the horseshoe. But you got smacked by a team that didn't even finish in the top 25. And I know Iowa's a tough place to play, but if you're a top four team, you don't do that. So, I, you know, and, and, and it seems like the Iowa's. Iowa State always seems a, a, like a way to find a win against I mean, they, they ruined TCU's chances last year. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's again, another team that can that can give issues. Oklahoma State can can always score points um, under Gundy out there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I definitely I'm thinking Bama, Georgia, uh, Clemson, and Ohio State. All right, well there it is. It's in writing. Um, so you know that that was a good pod. We'll uh, we got we got a couple things in store coming up. Maybe an NFL preview. Maybe even a two parter. Oh boy. Yep. So uh, football is about to start. So I'll talk to you soon, man. Stay tuned.